so I'm going to read this little intro that I've been reading at the beginning of every every podcast now, all two of them. Okay, so we're starting now then, is it? Are you, are you ready? <clears throat> yeah, let me just <clears throat> get that voice cleared up and we should be good. All right, excellent. <clears throat> okay, let's go. You are listening to Curves in Conversation, a not-safe-for-work podcast about the sexy sides of art. I'm your host, Emmy, like the letters M-E, and today we're having a conversation with Lemon Font. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello there, I'm Lemon Font. Uh, I'm a not-safe-for-work artist myself. Um, I've been doing this for nine years, and hopefully nine more to come. Wow. Nine years? <laughs> nine years? That's right. I checked the other day. I started in August of 2011. Oh my so. gosh, man! Where was where was I? I was out of the loop. What was the first? What was the first thing? Uh, oh, the first thing. Yeah, um, I think I started on uh, Fur Affinity. Um, yeah, and I think I was just. Uh, well, I think <laughs> I started off in like um, a thread on the CEO board of 4chan. Um, asking people like, um, how do I get money from making art? <laughs> and they said, and the first thing they said was like, you know, go to Fur Affinity, you know. So uh, that's what I went and did. Went on Fur Affinity, opened up commissions. Back then, it was two dollars for a picture. Oh my um, god, are you serious? <laughs> it was that. You can check the prices, and um, it was two dollars for a picture, and I just wanted to get my name out there. And yeah, maybe I should have charged more, but I didn't know what uh, barometer it worked from. So yeah, that's just how much I charged you back then. Oh my gosh! I immediately okay. So from from that opening alone, I'm immediately flooded with questions that I wanted. There's so many. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? All right. Um, let's 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 try to start at at a at a good point. So you started on the CEO board. You asked how you could get paid. Uh, making mm-hmm. art they told you for affinity so you went to fa but do you draw furry art um yeah i did draw furry art back then and if i was commissioned um today i think i would but like um i think with like the furry community that they gotta see furry art to be like interested you know they mm-hmm. see you draw a lot of like um non-anthropomorphic stuff and they'll just assume you're not a furry artist you know they're they used to like cross the streams back then where they just like you know they'd ask anybody to draw furry art but now i think recently i feel like people are just like you're either drawing furry art or you don't so but yeah back then they used to draw some furry art it does kind of feel like that actually now that you mention it the, the streams work like cross a lot more often i would see mm. furry art in almost every kind of genre because i i'm not really that's not really my bag Nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. against it. But mm-hmm. when you're looking for expansion art or that kind of thing, you you run into furry <laughs> stuff all the time. Exactly, you know. And it's like you kind of, uh, you know, you just gotta accept what you get at that point, you know. Yeah, I, I yes, definitely. <laughs> Back in 2011, was it? Uh, it wasn't. The field had far less artists in it than it yeah, does that, now. That's so true. You know, I don't think expansion thing was a was a thing back in 2011 it was just like a very niche fetish people had and there wasn't much like attention drawn to it but yeah oh it was it was extremely niche i think there was just like third art and bambi blaze really 
<laughs> it's just kind wow. of this is kind of all all there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that takes me back. <laughs> yeah, it takes takes me back too. You took me back. Why did you? So I, I'll move on past this. I promise. But why did you settle on two dollars? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> it was <just> higher <laughs> than one. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean. I think the important thing for me back then starting off was just I wanted publicity. I wanted exposure. Um, so I just wanted like a lot of people drawing their attention to me and being like, you know, whether it's the quality of my art or the, the prices, I just wanted um, people to get in contact with me and just, you know, form a reputation from there. Do you think that it worked? I mean, I guess we know the result of that. <laughs> um, well, I'd... I don't know if it correlated to any success um, because I think if you're starting off as an artist, I think you definitely do want to kind of like lowball yourself mm-hmm. just to like, you know, just get your foot in the door with some people and form like a reputation with your clientele. Um, and then I guess, you know, as you get along and then get more comfortable with how you feel about work and how much you deserve for your time, you should definitely raise, adjust those prices. Um but as for like, did the two dollars um, per picture help me? I, I don't know. I think I got my big break with um, Shapeshifter. That's when I really started to see some traction on a lot of attention to me. So Shapeshifter was mm-hmm. that the the like the first main comic, like the first big project? Um, no, I had some other ones, uh, smaller ones before then. Um, I back then on Fur Frenzy, I did this thing of. Um, theming little sequences around monster girls okay so there was like succubi um slime girls um and all this sort of thing you know and i was running through like the usual gamut of uh, popular archetypes and then i came across the idea of like oh what about like uh, a changeling or a shapeshifter you know so we can just get very loosey-goosey with the um transformation aspect there um so um that's when i then formulated the plan for shapeshifter comic to be like from the perspective of like the person on the other end tapped um typing to them on uh, skype or whatever Mm -hmm. um and then as that concept grew um that's when i started to see like a lot of traction then you know a lot of people were like oh i'm you know i'm coming in every day to check if this updates you know wow now that's that's Um, where you want to (laughs) be yeah 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 you know so i felt like i was i was making my big break there you know well, definitely. It seems like uh, you mentioning that uh, Shapeshifter is a good starting place because you could essentially do whatever you wanted to do with the mm-hmm. comic, you know, any, yeah. any sort of transformation that you wanted. You draw a very wide gamut of of artwork. It seems like you, you draw pretty much anything. I don't I don't know if there's a, a, a transformation that you don't you you wouldn't touch, really. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I think um, I'm very eager to try anything as well, because I feel that um, I like the challenge of seeing something that doesn't initially um, pose much interest and then try to make it interesting. Um, Not to talk ahead, but like, I guess that's the reason I did this clown comic is because like my me myself, I didn't see the idea of clowns being attractive, but I like the concept of someone turning into a clown. Um, I just thought it was like that was like a funny little uh, plot contrivance. 
so then I tried to explore that and see if I could, um, you know, justify people for liking a clown comic. I think you were successful. I was actually going to bring that up. You knew it had to happen at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either going to be Shapeshifter or a clown comic. You know, I know what's coming up. <laughs> but with with Nichols, mm-hmm. um, you got a lot of people who don't do uh, clowns or clown art to really embrace to to embrace her i mean i saw listen i was seeing fan art from people who don't don't touch that at all (laughs) that's so true yeah it's like not Um, even in their wheelhouse that's true yeah big shout out to uh goss cannon um sponson of course um and bandle bro like so many other people i'm forgetting right now but um yeah i was I was surprised myself about the turnout uh, that people enjoyed from Nichols. So, yeah, <laughs> I think a big strength—not even—not even just the artwork, which is really good, but story-wise, your your comics all have a narrative that makes them really memorable and makes people enjoy them. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I try. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And when it comes to creating that narrative, what's your what's your process? I know with Shapeshifter, you said you want to make a comic where you're able to pretty much go where you want to go. But when it came to Nichols and, and making people, you know, trying to justify people's like for clowns, there are a bunch of ways that you could have done that that weren't mm. so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess wholesome would be it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've gotten that. Um words thrown out about me a lot um, that's wholesome um but yeah from with my process of writing like anything for myself um i think i prioritize character development and characters more so than above anything so initially the characters in my comics have to feel real have to feel like people you would know and meet in real life you know so and i feel like this might be like a, kind of an obvious thing i guess for some people but there's a lot more nuance into it. There's like you got to establish goals, fears, um, try and make your characters very, um, very vulnerable, or like you can see the commonality between them, uh, between them and yourselves, or something. Um, so that's where I kind of start as a baseline for a narrative. I like to think of the characters first, and then I feel like the plot is determined by their um, the agency of their actions. So it's like it's the plot is only driven forward by characters acting in certain ways. I'll be honest with you. I don't think that's a very obvious thing at all. Mm. Uh, Maybe people have thought about it and weren't sure how to put it into words. But if it was obvious, uh, we'd see it more. See, the kind of of comics that you make really stand out because you think about these kind of things. Goals, fears motivations and and character and you Mm -hmm. use that to drive the plot yeah an issue we run into a lot and i run into this all the time is that when you're doing a fetish comic that's focused on uh, expansion or transformation you you run out of things after that part's done (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that's true there's um i think there's something else i kind of um I like to pride myself on with uh, writing as I like to, you know, I'm a big fan of those sort of like transformation expansion comics. 
Um, but I also like to think about like what happens afterwards, you know, like what happens when, you know, we've grown outside of the building and we've destroyed half the town or whatever, you know, or we sprayed milk everywhere. Um, I like to think about what happens afterwards and like the real world ramifications of all those actions. Um, so yeah, I think that's just one area I feel like I focus on that maybe some more artists should is, um, I don't know, trying to portray uh, the fantastical elements in a realistic setting, you know? Definitely. And it's, it's tough to do. Uh, it is, yeah. It seems as if the, the longer that a, a work goes on, the the harder it keeps your art, the harder it is to keep it fresh. Mm. And you have a few long-running, I wouldn't say, I don't know if long-running is the right word. Is that the right word? Concurrent? I, <laughs> concurrent might be a better word. You have a few yeah. concurrent comics that you can keep fresh for like a long time. Mm. When it comes to that, do you already have sort of your endpoint planned or do you do a chunk of story and then you just let it sit and then come back when you have more story? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, with each comic, I try to take a different approach. Like with Shapeshifter and uh, Nichols and Chain, they are completely two different mm-hmm. um, ideas of execution here. Um, but with Shapeshifter, I definitely had a an end goal in mind and I have like kind of like the story beats as it is, you know, like uh, they will go to X, this will happen, etc. will happen. These are like sort of like tent poles on the um, the script I have of things to happen. And then what happens in between is kind of like whatever I write in the moment, you know, whatever I draw in the moment. So um, uh, the way these things connect just feels like I want it to feel like a very organic way of happening, you know, so sometimes they can even be altered in that way. Um, with um, but I think post shapeshifter and maybe going forward, I think I'll probably a bit more effort into like, um, like writing out the entirety of a plot beforehand. Uh, that's what I've been doing with the uh, the Nicholas comic. I've got some other issues lined up, and I'm just trying to like flesh them out as much as I can. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Probably in December when I continue uh, Nichols. That seems soon, to be honest. December. <laughs> you just finished the last one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's because I'm having a good time with the comic right now. Um, it's just um, a lot of fun for me. I think that's. Um, I think that can also be reflected in how people enjoy it. As if you can see if the author is having fun with it, you can have. You also feel more at ease enjoying it. You know. Um, so um, I definitely want to take these uh, November and October to sort of like catch up on my commission backlog. Um, and then probably in December, I'll just, you know, get back into uh, weekly updates, I think, you know? Definitely. I, I think that's a, a good approach. Mm. Now, I'm not a, believe me, I'm I'm no expert when it comes to comic planning. Not not a bit. But <laughs> it seems that you are doing a, a really great job juggling all of these plates. Because you have a steady stream of comic work. And a steady stream of commission work. When do you sleep? Um, eh, rarely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's um it's a full time job for me. So like I don't have any other side hustle right now. So that's where I you know dedicate all my um, work energy into. Um, so I think that's why you see more content. I feel like a lot of our, our uh, other artists I see out there who are comic artists are also surprisingly 
got a day job, you know? So Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm like, I kind of get worried. I'm like, oh, I'm the only person doing this full time, <laughs> you know? And then I still can't keep up with this person, you know? <laughs> I don't think you're the only person doing this full time. It's you're, but you're you're working hard. Believe me, mm. I try. I try. And you've obviously had a a lot of experience interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to something you said earlier about making people feel realistic and adding character development. Mm. The characters that you make don't really feel like character. Caric, what is the, what is that word? Caricatures? Is that how you say Caricature. that? Ah, yes. Yeah. Okay. They feel like well written actual people, like how people would react to certain situations that they were put in, which is something that's very hard to do. Mm. When you have a lot of experience with other people other actual people in conversation it's a lot easier (laughs) it's a lot easier to write characters like that uh yeah definitely i think um i think that's where i get the crux of most of my uh characters is like through socialization um yeah definitely i'm a very social person like i feel like i can strike up a conversation with somebody and then by the end of the day i'll probably be best friends with them um that's a skill let me tell you (laughs) so um I definitely feel that a lot of my writing definitely comes from uh, interacting with people, paying attention to sort of like the nuances of the person, you know, like what do they do in certain scenarios? How do they express certain emotions? You know, I pay attention to a lot of these things. I try to reflect them in character designs, you know? Um, So I feel like that's where I get a lot of the inspiration for my characters. I tend to like look at people and observe them and then trying to, you know, pick apart um, things, maybe to like to Frankenstein it a bit so it doesn't seem like I'm doing a direct portrayal of Mm -hmm. them. But uh, definitely taking like attributes that either, you know, I see in people or people uh, associate with with certain people. Like, um, I guess like um, to go with like the nickels and change example, you know, I I made like Artie this kind of like big blocky guy because I think that like can comfort some people. Right. And I made like you know, it's in some portrayals like Nicole, uh, Nicole is um, depicted as weaker and like more like maybe smaller in stature to denote uh, sort of vulnerability. So like use like sort of like these um, stereotypes or archetypes of uh, preconception to sort of like help reinforce certain moments in the characters. And then as you get further along to that, you kind of like divulge from that and sort of subvert from um expectations in some sense see that's also uh, very important because you know you don't tropes are tools at least that's what i believe i don't think there's a problem with them inherently but being able to successfully subvert from expectations and make a character deeper than they initially appear always makes a stronger project Mm, that's true yeah so um that's definitely where I like to go in character development, where I like to um, bring you in with like the trope of what you expect a character to be. And then maybe like as you get further into experience with the character, you will see the divergence there. So you can't see the trope anymore. You see the person for their name, you know? Definitely. But how do you do that without making it worse? <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I've never really thought about how the sausage is made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I think 
I, I sort of start with like the sort of like the tropey aspects of a character, and then I just try to like flesh them out. I try to make sure that you know, as we spend more time with characters, we um, understand certain goals and fears they have, and you know, we understand where they can diverge from other people who might share these same predicaments. Um, it's all about like giving them individuality, uniqueness. It's all about like telling the the viewer what is their favorite food, what is their favorite album, um, and all those sorts of things. P- things that help paint this bigger picture. You know, um, you were drawn in by this initial trope, and then as you pull back the curtains, the painting becomes more elaborate of what they are. And I feel like that's so how we get it. It's just uh, depth comes with time, mm-hmm. and. I guess experience with scenarios helps portray depth, you know? Yeah, definitely. The The more places that you can put your character in situations, uh, the deeper they become. It's like yeah. traveling with someone. Yeah, yeah. And the more time you spend with them, the more time you listen to their monologues and all that sort of stuff, you know? Do you have, like, a, a character influence? Um. Oh, like, is it an author or...? Um, not even it doesn't even have to be an author it could be maybe just a a character because i'm I'm asking because you know a lot about development and i think that you make very good characters Mm -hmm. and that's a thing that's it's never easy to do but it becomes easier when you have sort of someone in mind so i was asking if there are characters that that come up when you're thinking of a well-written character and if you base uh, writing your characters well off of how they're written Oh, okay, so I yeah, I think I understand. Um, so I think in this example, I'm probably going to surprise you with my gold standard of characters development. But um, the perfect idea of good character um, design, in my opinion, is Seinfeld. I'm, I actually am surprised. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm shocked. Allow me, allow me to explain because um, it's been a uh, you know. I don't know. Does anyone talk about Seinfeld in 2020? Um, <laughs> we are now. Yeah, yeah. So I think the thing with Seinfeld, and if I, I guess, are you familiar or should I familiarize the audience here? Please do. Okay, so Seinfeld is a show in the early 90s mm-hmm. based off um, Jerry Seinfeld, who is a comedian, and and the three other characters are his like associate slash uh, apartment uh, roommates, or like they share the same residence or something. Mm-hmm. Well, Kramer does; he's his neighbor. Um, so you have your Jerry Seinfeld, who is a comedian living in New York. He has a wacky neighbor called Kramer, and he has a neurotic friend called George, and a um, I guess token girl Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> the nineties, uh, yeah, yeah, it was nineties. It was like that back then, but. Um, Anyway, the reason I hold them to sort of like the gold standard of like character design is um, they are their own characters. You know, they are they are not the the the, the stereotypes they fit into. Mm-hmm. They are like like they are them. They are Kramer. They are George. They are Jerry and Elaine. And the thing is, I take this piece of advice from my dad: is like they are good characters because you can put them in certain situations, and then you can understand like how they would react to it, you know? Like you could put them waiting in a line um, for a Chinese restaurant and understand how the series of events would unfold based off of their agency and what they would want to do in those situations, you know? Like which one of them would want to be the first to act, which one of them would be um, 
the person to leave or et cetera, you know? So I think I hold that as a sort of like a good indication of character design by, you know, you could, you know, the characters so well that they are like in your brain and you understand exactly how they work, you know? So when it comes to character influence, I feel like Seinfeld definitely shows me because you spend a lot of time with these characters. They're put in different situations, but they're also very nuanced. They're not just like, oh, you know, George is like the cowardly one. He's going to do this. You you get more of a feeling of like, no, George is, does have cowardice, but mm-hmm. he also has like cunning in some ways and a deep uh, <laughs> desire to sort of exploit situations in some way. So that's where I really get my understanding of good character design is because it's like, okay, they start off as like, you know, a tropey perception of them, but then the more time we spend with them, we understand it's like, well, they're not just that person, you know, they are more than that. You know, we get more layers to their characters. Um, and I guess when it comes with other character design influences, um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I just, I just think of Seinfeld in that sense. From this point forward, I'm also going to think of Seinfeld <laughs> because that's yeah. it was it's such an amazing description of mm. of what makes a good character. I don't think it can be beaten, to be honest. That's true, yeah. And I think like you no, know, however you feel about Seinfeld and his humor, I mean, just take aside that you know. To, I to, I speak to the audience or whoever's listening, um, and I think you got to understand that you know these are still characters you know well enough. Maybe not characters you like, but that's the important thing is that they are very well developed and you can imagine them pretty well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a great tactic. I actually, if someone hasn't written this before, you, you got to get on this so that nobody, <laughs> nobody takes your idea. But putting a, a variety of characters that you want to develop in just a variety of situations, as many as you can think of in, in basing how they react and act on their personality is a good way to develop your characters. I've ne- I've sincerely never thought, what would they do at this restaurant? What would they do here? What would they do there? Mm-hmm. As a good way to workshop a personality. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's a good point you raised up that made me think now is that when people start character designs themselves as like maybe um, uh, starting off authors, they tend to think of um, retroactive attributes, like the history of the characters, you know, the biography, where they come from, what they do, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think the people need to the thing people need to prioritize more is maybe like how they act now, you know, like we can definitely hold their history and stuff into account, but it must also formulate the base product it must be the sum of the parts you know definitely and i i know now i mean (laughs) when i i made maddie i definitely thought about why who is she in the past which put her in the situation that she is currently yeah but what i didn't like you're filling out a you know a social security form you know (laughs) yes right (laughs) yeah 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 but I, I think a stronger way to do that is the the way you've described, which is, man, that's 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 really insightful. I feel like I learn something every time <laughs> I, I something. do one of these podcasts. I hope that everyone else becomes as informed 
all learning here. We are all learning here. So we're approaching uh, the the end here. We're at about oh. 29 minutes. Oh, and went I, by so fast. <laughs> they usually do. I try to keep them at uh, about 30, 31. Um, okay. Because, because that's uh, for the sake of storage space. <laughs> but before we close out, I, I do want to ask... Uh, is there anything that you'd like to maybe share with the audience? Uh, this is an opportunity for shameless self-promotion. Uh, links, Patreon, comics, uh, any URLs that you'd like to inform everyone of? Uh, sure. Um, you can get the majority of the links you know me from from my on my website, uh, www.lemonfontcomics.com. I didn't know you had a little website. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, but I it tends to get updo- updated very slowly because uh, I'm not very good at coding. Um, I have a person for that. Shout out to Claus for <laughs> coding my website. Um, and the thing is that like this isn't like uh, Laws's uh, main uh, social um, obligation. I think he's working full time and he just recently became a father. So congratulations. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like it gets updated, but very slowly. And we're definitely going to try and get more updates in the future on that one but yeah you can still find all my socials on one of the tabs on that site so check it out there um yeah and uh if i could leave some wisdom before i go i just want to say vote (laughs) please vote everybody whatever time you get this podcast gets out yeah i agree definitely that is that is wisdom i approve of please do (laughs) There we go. We're all unanimous on that. We're all unanimous on that. Listeners are unanimous. I think we all agree. Awesome. But I'd definitely like to thank you, Lemon, for your time today. A very Anytime. insightful conversation. I think I'll rewatch Seinfeld. <laughs> and I would like to thank everybody listening for checking out this episode of Curves and Conversation. Uh, enjoy the rest of your days.